Hello everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox Meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting to attend, go to adultchildren.org and click on Meetings. This week we're hearing from Carlos who spoke about the role of writing and reading in their recovery. Please enjoy. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Carlos. I've been in ACA since 2018, and I'm speaking on the tools of reading and writing and how I use them to celebrate my inner child. Uh, this is from the ACA website. <clears throat> in order to further our own program of discovery and recovery, we educate ourselves. We do this by exploring the problem, the solution, the ACA 12 steps, and the 12 traditions, and by reading literature, books, and other publications that pertain to our program. We write to further explore our understanding of our program. Through writing, we document our process and clarify questions for ourselves. This process requires a level of discipline and dedication. This dedication to the self, ourselves, leads to the freedom, understanding, and compassion needed to nurture our inner child. And this is from the Big Red Book, Chapter 8, The Solution, page 341. I've had a hard time identifying with the term celebrate. It implies pure joy, something I just don't know well. I have a hard time participating in any celebration. When I was six or seven, I went to my friend's birthday party. I didn't see an empty chair at the huge table where 20 children sat, so I walked into another room. A lady wrapping presents in that room told me to go into the party, but I knew there was no room for me there, so I walked into the kitchen. The boy's mother was preparing food for the party, so I knew I couldn't bother her either. Then I left and went home. That's a big pattern with me. There's a feeling that I don't belong or that the celebration is not for me. When I play games on my computer or visit websites, that's how I begin to celebrate. The jokes I find and forward to all my friends is a kind of celebration. To me, celebrating is the sharing of joy. I try to find things I really enjoy and I share them. This makes me happy. I relate to that on <laughs> so many levels. Uh, it took me a long time to realize that my greatest moments of joy or when I'm sharing stories or ideas or tidbits of information about the things I'm passionate about. I come alive during any brainstorming session. I can talk about space, psychology, philosophy, Turkish massages, different species of dragons, the energy cleansing techniques used by curanderas of the Andean mountains. I'm constantly curious and enthusiastic about the world because I was a constantly curious and enthusiastic child. But I had that enthusiasm stomped out of me for a while by my childhood. One of the first things that I learned about myself through recovery is that when I share an experience with people, I want them to feel like they're there. I don't just want to tell you what I had for lunch. I make it a whole story, a whole production. 
And that's because I desperately seek to feel understood. I'm a first generation American. My Spanish is good now, but during my childhood, I always mixed up my tenses or pronounced words incorrectly. And at the same time, my alcoholic father was not the talking sharing type. And my codependent mother worked so much, she never gave herself the space to practice her English beyond pleasantries or directions. So we never truly spoke the same language. It was incredibly frustrating not being able to properly express my feelings with my words, getting mocked by my family for not being able to speak perfect native Spanish. When I did manage to get the right words out to my mom to share about feeling scared or sad, I was told to be a man, no crying, stiff upper lip and move forward. We're immigrants, damn it, that's what we do. But I was not an immigrant. I'm American, and I wanted the American experience that I saw on TV. I never went to school dances, birthday parties, barbecues, or any other celebration with other kids. The only parties I attended were with the adults in my family, always drinking, screaming, fighting, chaos. It didn't matter if it was a birthday for a baby or an adult, it was always an excuse for the men to get hammered and the women to wait quietly until it was all over. I wanted to play with other kids. I wanted to talk about Pokemon and not feel afraid of my drunk uncles. I remember one time in the third grade, I lied to my parents and told them that I had a parent-teacher conference on a Wednesday night, mandatory. We got there and I led them to the gym turned disco-themed dance floor. I remember turning to look at their faces and their disappointed reactions. They let me wander around, but after 10 minutes of constantly turning to check on my stone-faced parents waiting by the exit, hypervigilant, I decided there was no place for me there, that I was being a burden, and I asked my parents to take me home. I used to have birthday parties, but after my mother packed up our belongings and dragged us away from my alcoholic father in the middle of the night for the second and final time, no more birthdays. Because according to my mother, I wasn't a kid anymore. I had to be the man of the house, despite not having a house anymore. I had to grow up and be her little companion of sorrows, as she put it. The child she emotionally dumped on because she was a codependent going through another failed marriage. I was 12 when I personally decided to stop celebrating anything regarding myself. I'd win awards for academic achievement, writing proficiency, sometimes science stuff, but the certificates or medals felt meaningless, empty. I just gave them to my mom who mounted them on the wall and proudly pointed to them when my family came over to visit in our new apartment. I didn't care. Later on, I'd hide my birth date on Facebook a month before my birthday so no one could post anything on my wall, never replied to any texts around my birthday, never shared any personal victories, never shared any of my actual interests. I became a tiny chameleon. I just tried to adapt to any situation I was in, making sure I was as uh, small as possible, despite the fact that I'm a loud person with a big personality. It was like trying to fit a beach ball into a ring box. It just didn't make sense. It wasn't until I was 32 that I figured out how to celebrate, how to honor my inner child and how to share myself and my joy on my own terms. After years of believing that I couldn't do it, I decided to become an author. I wanted to write sci-fi and fantasy stories, the kind that I loved to read and watch when I was a kid. I discovered that in order to become a good writer, I needed to understand myself on a level I never thought possible before joining ACA. I also needed discipline and dedication, which at the time I was sorely lacking. I started with making my bed every day, then meditating, and then journaling. And that's when everything changed. I started including writing exercises based on prompts about childhood memories and experiences into my morning journal pages. What I discovered was that I was more connected with my past and myself. And the more I was, and the more I uncovered courage within myself. Vast pools of courage there just waiting for me to dip a toe, to be fearlessly honest with myself, about myself, to myself. 
I've shed a lot of tears through my journaling. I've also learned how to put my anxiety down on the page. When I'm feeling anxious or triggered, I write what I'm feeling into my journal, breathe into it, and slam the journal shut. This really works for me. A counselor gave me the tip. It's wild. I highly recommend it. In terms of reading, I tear through books on recovery and trauma and connecting to your authentic self. One of the books that helped me reframe my entire life is called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. Big trigger warning, if you haven't looked into verbal abuse, I recommend working through this book with a counselor or trusted friend. I initially went into it looking for abusive patterns in myself because I no longer wanted to behave in a reactionary way. I wanted to know how I was lashing out at people. I knew the why. And while I did recognize some behaviors in myself, I also learned what verbal abuse looked like in all its forms. It wasn't just screaming. It was also gaslighting and minimizing and withholding communication and a whole spectrum of abuse that I had been unwittingly suffering. Taking it from toxic people, getting dumped on without understanding why I felt so bad. Because if it wasn't yelling, I thought I wasn't being abused. And that's not the case. Using reading and writing as part of my recovery has built up my self-esteem in ways that I never knew possible. And it taught me how to celebrate myself by sharing my art. Now I'm on the staff of a fiction magazine. I'm part of multiple writers groups. I study under one of my favorite authors. I chat with other writers about craft and life and silly things. I share my work with strangers and with friends I haven't spoke to in years. I struggle. I learn, I risk, I grow. And when I win, I celebrate. But most importantly, when I fail, I still celebrate. I am grateful for the opportunity to fail, to do a little bit better next time, to finally believe in myself. Before I started my recovery, I was afraid to share the things I really enjoyed. But slowly, as I came out of denial, that began to change. I started sharing with friends, and it made me happy. Now, I try to create the things I truly enjoy and share them with the world. That makes me feel whole. I like to end this written portion with, the end, uh, with one of my favorite quotes loosely attributed to a writer named G.K. Chesterton. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Um, this will be available if you want a digital version, because I wrote it out and I worked really hard on it. <laughs> so you can come to me after, and um, I'll just share, share the doc with you. Um, perfect, thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I spent a lot of time on this, and it brought up a lot of buried memories. But more than that, it brought up a lot of buried feelings. And I've been having a rough one for two days because of it. And I'm happy I am. I have always run away from pain and discomfort and fear. And that's just ACA stuff. But what I've learned to do is to sit with it now. And it sucks. And I'm learning to get good at being sad. It's a skill. And now I'm like, I'm doing it. Like today, you know, I wrapped myself up in a comfy blanket. I put on some sad music, had a little cookie, and I just cried. And I cried. I'm getting good at it. And the thing that I realized was that we don't modify joy. When we're experiencing it, we don't change it. We don't zhuzh it up. We don't dress it down. We're just in it. So why not sadness? And that's what I'm learning to do. 
I'm learning not to numb the sadness, not to run from the sadness, not to zhuzh it up, not to pare it down, just to sit in it. And what I'm realizing that is I, I'm so much stronger than I thought I was, that the sadness doesn't last forever, that eventually the sun will shine and I'll feel joy again, and I'm really good at being joyful. So I feel like in this part of my life, I'm learning how to be good at being sad too. Thank you very much. Thank you.